molded out of red clay and baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is The Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Adios, goodbye, amigos. Welcome back in. This segment's brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call 806-744-7666. See more at LubbockFileRoom.com. So, since the last time we were with you, there was a little election that happened, and a lot of people were looking at a few places in Texas. We just talked about what happened in East Texas, what happened in West University Place, and what happened with Lyle Larson in uh, San Antonio, what we've not gotten into is where we left off, what would happen in the panhandle. And if you go back to the podcast, othersideoftexas.com, there's a podcast uh, tab at the top of the page. You can hear Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report and myself discussing the panhandle and what we thought would happen. A very critical race because, and I say race, race is Ken King running against uh, a fella that was backed by Empowered Texans. And then you had Kel Seliger being being contested by a fellow from Empower Texas. Some would argue two. I would probably go along with two. One out of the Panhandle, a former member of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is the think tank for Empower Texans, as well as Mike Cannon down in Abilene, or excuse me, down in Midland, a former mayor who got some three hundred and fifty thousand dollars from Empower Texans in that race. There are places, there are mid-sized markets in Texas in which Empower Texans has done very well. To just congratulate them in the political sense, they have done very, very well. Lubbock was, you know, Lubbock fell to Empower in the late 2000s. And I think that that was capped off by Charles Perry winning the Texas House District 83 seat, which starts in Lubbock and then goes down, it looks like a peace sign almost, goes down into covers seven counties in total. Charles Perry being elected to the House in 2010 was Lubbock's, oh wait, what just happened? Oh, it's too late now moment. Uh, they were overtaken and didn't really know what was coming. Amarillo is one of the last holdouts. The Panhandle is one of the last holdouts that's not fallen into empower hands uh, they really do well in the suburbs and they've begun to do well in mid-sized slash rural markets people don't really understand what's going on they don't understand all these names i've said it before i'll say it again if i asked you know if i asked you how many seats were in the texas house how many people could tell me that people just generally don't pay a lot of attention to state politics but they have begun to do so more and more because there is no you could argue with me that city hall has more of a bearing on your day-to-day life than the texas legislature and i would i would argue with you about that the legislature decides a lot about your public education which you do every day and it decides how much funding is going to go to that public education and therefore your month-to-month year-to-year property tax bill has a ton of influence and there's just the beginning of that you know i was walking through a grocery store the other night and saw a guy open carrying and thought well that didn't happen at city hall and i'm indifferent on the issue i mean i i i err on the modest side of you know you got a nice gun okay 
you don't have to show everybody, right? I mean, I'm for the guy who's driving around in a five, ten year old pickup, and right. you know that open carry thing. A lot of times, just kind of turns into a whoa. I didn't get enough attention whenever I was growing up, so I'm going to wear this on my hip. But empower all that to say, Lubbock, it was too late. It was, it was gone. The panhandle was still standing, and so this was the big test on what Empower could do to essentially hijack the representation of the region. I wrote about that in the Dallas Morning News not too long ago. The, the headline was, Look to Panhandle Conservatives to Defy Texas's Shift to the Far Right. And I grounded a history there that goes back preceding Goldwater and LBJ. And it goes back to Alan Shivers and there being this tideland controversy. And Texas wanted 10 miles off the, the third coast they wanted the revenue from that oil, and the federal government was coming in at that time in the late 40s, early 50s, saying, no, we're taking that oil, and we're going to take the revenues from it. And Alan Shivers brokered a deal with, uh, well, he went to Adelaide Stevenson, who was a Democrat, like Shivers, and Adelaide Stevenson said, no go, I can't support you in that, I won't support you in that. And Alan Shivers more or less said, you're going to rue the day that you didn't. And so he went to Dwight eisenhower and said mr republican nominee would you back our claim on the tidelands he said yes and people went with ike in texas in 52 and they became shivercrats some of the first on board were the panhandle so this is a long uh, this is a very long proud history up in the panhandle of a brand of conservatism that doesn't just say no to everything it conserves that's the root it conserves and that's where these people have been so all eyes were on the panhandle and Kel Seliger held on I think by 636 votes he avoided a runoff election 636 next time somebody tells you well I'm not going to vote my vote doesn't count Ken King up in Canadian proves that even more he won by some he avoided runoff by some 90 votes and so they yeah they all walked away uh from that and people will say well kells seliger now he's he's vulnerable well kell seliger beat mike cannon in 14 by five points i would tend to think that had leal not been in that race and seliger might have won that race by 11 this time around and all of that because seliger stood against appraisal cap rollback rate elections mandated by the state set to do something to reform property taxes but really doesn't do much at all and seliger stood against that on local control principle and then he stood against vouchers and he had some 350 at least three hundred fifty thousand dollars thrown at him and the lieutenant governor's political consultant running the other campaign so he stood against that and brandon darby wrote a piece uh, it came out i think on tuesday or wednesday and brandon darby managing editor of breitbart texas and get this rural gop leaders were attacked for not kneeling to kiss a billionaire's ring and in it brandon darby makes a stand and says he, he did this interview on houston radio kprc in houston and he said, he said, if I were a billionaire, maybe I would do this. I don't know. But Tim Dunn is a Midland billionaire, and he has Empowered Texans and Michael Quinn Sullivan and that group. And basically, any politician who doesn't vote perfectly like they want, they primary, and they put mailers that are a bit dishonest, to use his words, 
And he called them a lobby-like group who went against people who dang near, to quote him, dang near perfectly voted with the conservative cause and with the lieutenant governor. But he, what he calls knee-jerk Republicans in Texas had to try to force them out because they didn't go all the way. And so then Darby goes further and says this is a Russian oligarchy type situation with a billionaire who doesn't even live in an area or a place is choosing who their leader is going to be because that guy didn't kiss his ring. And because, you know, Darby, he's able to substantiate all this within conservative cause uh, language and within the platform of what most movement conservatives believe in that you should have more local uh, control of public schools but whenever you tie in vouchers then you've got more and more power going to Austin deciding what's right and what's not wrong what's wrong with homeschooling profound point there and then moves on uh, he himself is a homeschooler mind you they didn't they'll they'll beat us down on farm policy they'll say well that's just you know I had somebody blasting me about writing in Breitbart, Texas recently about the cotton fix to bring cotton into the price loss coverage program into Title I, effectively into the farm bill, and said that I was all out for subsidies. Well, I am for trying to sustain a globalized market for American interests. Heck yeah, I am, because I'm an American, number one. But number two, because it was budget neutral it didn't cost anything to do it at the time and so i don't know how that's some flaming liberalism but these same by and large suburban interests where were they and darby raises the point where were they when rick perry's miracle came and used government subsidies and tax breaks to get high-tech companies to move to texas quote they didn't mind it then in fact most of those 10 to 20 counties the ones where the larger populations reside in texas they're the ones who benefited from it they're the ones where the jobs went. They didn't mind tax incentives and government involvement to encourage business to do something about economic development when it was their paychecks. But now the rest of Texas says, wait a minute, we need to do some economic development too, particularly in rural regions. And all of a sudden, these same folks, these same Texas miracle folks, call rural desire socialism. It's such a good breakdown of, he goes on to say how they romanticize the rural Texan and they wear the hat and the boots and the Wrangler jeans, but they advocate and propose and pass policies that actually strangle rural Texas communities. Great word there. But the question becomes, what happens now? What happens now after the panhandle? I went on Brian Mudd's program yesterday and one thing sticks out to me one thing coming up in 2020 where it all began in lubbock that state senator may have a problem so has any of this influence pushed its way into lubbock county or is this just state races well it's been here it's been here i mean if you go back and you look at charles perry's 2014 senatorial race, texas senate race you could argue that a third to half of his donations in that campaign came from groups like this and its allies now, that sets up an interesting situation coming off of 2018. Can there be a name that jumps in that Senate race right here at, based out of Lubbock? Where there's 40% of the votes in Senate District 28. Can you get a Bill McKay to jump into that race? Will Bill McKay, a well-known name, well-known family name sure. in this community. A county commissioner. Maybe Mayor Dan Polk by that point says, I've done what I can do at the city. Uh, 
if, if there's a community that's suspicious of an incumbent, at least a third or half of his fundraising coming from these very groups, then you could see quite a race. Bill, Bill may have a problem doing that now, though, because of the, the backlash that we saw in the Lubbock County races. He was not particularly enthused with any plans to you know, cut things off at 4%, and there's been a taxation uh, question that the voters threw, out, threw back at him. Well, I think that you could... It's funny to hear these guys talk about, well, I'm going to be all for 4%, but I'm also going to get all these roads done. I mean, that's what you call borrow and spend conservatism. That's where that's going to lead to. And Lubbock must, if Lubbock leads the way with all these rural counties, if Lubbock goes in and says we're for the 4% cap, those problems in those rural counties where we talk about cartel activity, where we talk about a lot of unseemly problems that they can't deal with because they're already too cash-strapped, with all sorts of mandates that aren't funded from the from the state, mm -hmm. and those problems, there is no cattle guard gate around Lubbock County. Memo to Lubbock County Commission. Jay Leeson is on top of all of it. So, what we turn that one down? Oh, it's there. Look at you, little sister. Yeah, I got a piece up about that under the blog section at OthersideOfTexas.com, and that you know. Name of the show is Other Side of Texas. I know I spend a lot of time talking about uh, the Cap Rock, the Basin, the Panhandle, but these aren't just issues in in this side of Texas, west of I-35. They're predominant in South Texas and, and North Texas and a lot of places that aren't those 10 to 20 counties. And those are kind of issues and views we like to get into here and I've heard a lot of feedback, and I really appreciate uh, the s sort of momentum that the show is uh, beginning to have and appreciate you listening. Speaking of you listening, I want you to know that our friend Blue Collar Bill is coming up. But first, little sister, I just turned 39. 39. But as long as I can remember, of those 39 years, there's always been an American bank of commerce around me. The old adage is that in Abilene, there's a church on every corner. Well, in Lubbock, there's a bank on every corner. But there's a name of a bank that I can remember for since forever that's always been on a corner around me, and that's ABC Bank. Name has never changed. And starting the other side of Texas Venture, I turned to a local banking institution I could trust and... I'm glad I did. They've been providing top-notch customer service and loyalty since 1962. Do what other side of Texas did and trust ABC Bank with all your banking needs. Check them out at theabcbank.com. That's theabcbank.com. 1-888-902-2552. You stick with us. Blue Collar Bill coming right up on the other side of Texas. This segment brought to you by Racer Car Wash, voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop in to one of five convenient locations across the Hub City for the best wash around, guaranteed. Racerwash.com. Blue Collar Bill, it sounds like you might be in a truck. Oh, there it is. Uh, does that truck need a washing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Real bad. In an 18-wheeler or just in the Ford? Oh, no, no. The Ford's clean, but the, the big truck is plenty dirty. Plenty, plenty dirty. You keep that plenty up. Dirty. What, how old's your uh, Ford? 
Uh, that uh, that blue one is an 09. It's an 09 Lariat. See, this is what we were just... Uh, I just came across open carry for just a moment and said, you know, it's just kind of a humility thing for me. Nobody needs to see how nice your your gun is on your hip, you know, out in public. I, you know, it's your right, fine. Uh, I, I don't think that I'd prefer to do it. And I said... I prefer a guy who's comfortable driving around in a truck that's five, ten years old, like Blue Collar Bill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I have reached the level of uh, steadliness that I don't need a, a fancy new car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that seems to be a, a growing opinion assessment here. <laughs> you know, somebody was giving me a hard time the other day. I, I got a Toyota Tundra. I did have an F-250. Uh, 7.3 power stroke is an 02. I got T-boned. I've told that story a few times, but I had to get a new truck. And Bill, I went towards the uh, towards the Tundra because I realized that the owners don't live here. They live in a little place called Japan. But all the parts are made in America, and it was built in Texas. So I'm on board with that. I go to get a replace. I remember trying to get replacement parts for the Ford, mm-hmm. and even if they were OEM. Bill, they were made in China or somewhere else. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll see that across the board with all cars. There's there's, uh, there's no car being built today that is 100% pure as to its country of origin. And you know what else, Bill? I was singing about you today because I was having to cut. I was using some bolt cutters to cut open a lot. And... <laughs> And I just bought them. I just got them from a great store that needs advertising on this program, so I'm not going to say their name. But I went and I cut that lock in two different ways with a big two-foot bolt cutter. And by the time it was done, that thing had a bolt indention in it. And I turned around and looked at it. The tag, made in China. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Not not good steel, was it? No. No. Not, I mean, what's real anymore? The lumber's not real. The steel's not real. I, I, I don't get it. But I don't want to hijack your your call here. What you got on your mind, blue collar Bill? Hey, uh, just just to finish that last thought off, Jay, you are correct. Not all steel is the same, and you run into that with aftermarket body panels. You'll see a lot of your insurance companies will go. You know, would you work with us a little bit? Let us use an aftermarket body panel. Oftentimes, you'll find that the fit is absolutely correct and then when you put the paint on it it looks different and it's because it's a different steel it was treated different and now your car doesn't look right so keep that in mind at your next accident oh, you want factory parts I, I don't plan on having another accident don't you throw that mojo on me ricky bobby uh, okay all right hey, hey i've got well, go ahead I, i've got a little story of frustration for you uh, you can find humorous I hope you just get really aggravated and drive up listenership. Oh, 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 oh it'll, it'll be great. You're going to love this one. Okay. Uh, I, about 25 years ago, I, I'm, I married a, a young lady that was dumb enough to stick with me for a quarter of a century. <laughs> so our, our, our 25th anniversary comes up in June, and I decide oh, congratulations. that we are going to go to Mexico. Now, to get to Mexico, whereas used to, when I was a kid, you just pulled up at the border and showed them your ID if they if they ever asked for it, uh-huh. and went on through, now you have to have a passport. So I go through this whole passport process, I get online, I fill out all the requisite paperwork, I, I grab my birth certificate, I grab my driver's license, I get my $136 and, no, it was $133.20 ready to go, and I go down to the post office. And the, the window's supposed to open at one, and it doesn't. 
the girl, the girl finally shows up at 120. Mm. I finally get to talk to her, and, and then I, I find out that my birth certificate is no good. Oh. Was this, yeah, yeah, was my, this a new revelation? It, yeah, this is a new revelation for me. I got this official uh, certified copy of a record of vital statistic from the city of Lubbock, printed on state of Texas letter, letterhead in 1993. Well, apparently, post 911, uh, they decided that, you know, our birth certificates weren't a secure enough document, weren't official enough, or something. So the, the, the lady at the post office tells me down there at the bottom of the birth certificate on the left-hand side, you got a date. Well, a, mine is missing the requisite capital I to the right of the date. Oh. So I have to go down to the city of Lubbock now. And so I cruise across town, I go to City Hall, I walk in there and say, Ma'am, I need a new birth certificate. Mine doesn't have the requisite I that is required to get a passport. To which she tells me she can help me, and she very quickly and efficiently and friendly manner prints me out a new one that looks exactly like the one I'm holding mm -hmm. with a capital I in the middle of it next to the date and charges me $23 for that capital I. Come on, man. I paid 23 bucks today for a capital I to be printed on a piece of paper. Man. And some part-timer only got to work, well, six hours, right? He had to, he had to take that uh, out of somewhere. Unbelievable. I had to swing mail for an hour to make that money. And they pushed print, added one I to an existing document. They made 23 bucks. Man. Hey, but Unbelievable. I, I, my real takeaway from that is that you dealt with somebody at the city that was efficient and effective. She was very nice. I wish yeah. I had caught her name. She was. She was. She was a sweetheart, and she could tell I was frustrated. And she held my hand and got me through it. And that that alone was probably worth the twenty three dollars. Well, good, good. But it's just a little bit frustrating that you know before the smoke clears, I'm going to be out a hundred and fifty nine dollars and twenty cents. All to get permission to leave the country, <laughs> or to enter another one. I mean, you could look at it both ways. But on on that point. I mean, you didn't double-check your eye. Did you double-check the State Department's recommendations of where and where not to travel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, okay. I've read. In fact, they shot a guy down there in Cabo a couple of weeks ago on yeah. the beach. I mean, I don't say that because I'm concerned about your your safety and security, Blue Collar Bill. I'm concerned about lost souls in Mexico that might cross the wrong man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be a, 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 a horrible tragedy. You know, given my given my massive stature and as we discussed earlier, my level of studliness. Uh, hey, you, I, I am a force to be reckoned with. You wear a USA hat like nobody else. I'll give you that. Yes, sir. Blue collar Bill, thank you, buddy. Keep rocking the mullet, man. All right, buddy. Have a good evening. <laughs> I'll see you, buddy. <laughs> he just he just slinging the mail. Yeah. I love how we bring him on and and I'm doing a read and you just hear him flying down the highway. I don't think that there's a lot of insulation. No, uh, those not. those doors aren't seamed up very well. Well, uh, spring breaks upon us. You got big plans, little sister. Family's coming in town. Good. Mm -hmm. Very excited, all the way from Mississippi. Are you gonna come show them the uh, studios where Buddy Holly became famous? Mom's already been here. Maybe show my stepdad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Yeah. Some family time. Yeah, absolutely. Look how mature you are for a college student. You're having family time at spring break. I'm really close to my family. Okay. Um, I grew up in a really tight knit family. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I I just, we're really close. My mom's really young, and so we get along really well, and 
Yeah, I'm really excited to see well, it. Good. It's kind of a sister-mom relationship. Yeah. Well, we covered a lot today. You can see Disneyland Dad, Operation Disneyland Dad, or you can hear it, I should say. You will see it up at OtherSideOfTexas.com, where you can then hear it at uh, up on the Apple Store, up where they put the podcast up in Apple Space, wherever that goes. Yeah. Uh, you find that. The cloud. Yeah, you can go to look up uh, in Apple iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, search Other Side of Texas, and you'll find our podcast. You can subscribe there. Go to the website, subscribe, and we will... Uh, we will take care of your email address we will not sell it we will not share it but we will deliver to you some very high quality product we can assure you that here at other side of texas and with that the show does continue there go to our twitter at the ostx at the word the ostx and you can find us on facebook as well if you've got a story shoot them to us you got a rural story that we need to be covering jay at other side of texas.com and without further ado until we talk again let me borrow a line from the great bob bullock only death will end my love affair with the other side of texas we'll see you next week i work the ricks from three to midnight on the Corpus Christi Bay I'd get off and drink till daylight Sleep the morning away